So this is probably going to be old advice, but old advice is good for a reason. Um, it's the one more call strategy. When you think you're done for the day, one more piece of information, then be done for the day. If it's one more call or one more email or one more send, let's just say the, the close rate 10%, right? So five calls a week, 20 calls a month, that's two calls a month at a 10% close rate that you're going to win just by making one more call. Right? And that is, we always talk about run rate and all that good stuff. Where can we get free money? You know, that additional set of emails or that additional one call at the end of the day, on average, could get you, could be the difference between 94 and 102%. We have another great episode for you here today. We have Anthony Caius on the line. He is a strategic account manager over at Synthego, and he's recently made the transition from owning a territory to now owning global key accounts. So he's going to share lots of insights about that for skills that you need to master in sales, whether you're in the beginning of your career or you know later on in your career. And he has a great story to talk about why you need to lead with empathy and put yourself in the customer's shoes. And I think another really good one is he's going to tell you how to interrupt with a positive mindset. So lots of uh, key takeaways here. Nick, would you want to? Yeah, I think you covered most of it. I'm, I was really excited to chat with Anthony and how he's moved through and progressed because there's v very few reps that are as competitive of me and like chasing shiny stuffs that I do. So it was uh, nice to see how he's gone from being that kind of attitude into more of a key account role and, and what the differences are. So some real good nuggets in there. Yeah, it's also fun. We know Anthony pretty well, so it's... Uh... A lot of good back and forth, a little banter. So fun episode. Let's uh, go ahead and we'll jump right on in. Hey, Anthony, welcome to the pod. Pumped to have you. Glad to be here, guys. Glad to be here. Let's, let's glad to chop it up. I'll go see you again. <laughs> I thought I would never have to do that again. Man. Lost that bet. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's really good to see you. It's been a while. Um, but uh, I know you love your stories and I know you, you, you're you aware that we ask every person that comes on the show, give us a crazy or funny story that's happened in your career. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was going through my, my own archives to think of this one, I, I realized like what could fit into where uh, I wanted to take this today. Um, actually, it was kind of one of the first calls that I had taken at the company I'm at right now. Um. It was at an account that I had never covered before, but the it was a hot lead that came in and they said they had some money they needed to burn and they had a couple of projects they wanted to do and they heard good things about the company that I'm working for now and they wanted to explore. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's set up a time when I realized what they wanted to do and doing my due diligence. Um, I'm like, oh, I need to prioritize these guys. Like the, the, this guy can really, really, you know, on a selfish level, help me, you know, help me make my number for the quarter and I can get it closed quick. So, you know, we set the time, I set the zoom link, you know, I closed, I closed that. And then like 48 hours beforehand, I made sure, okay, we're still good, right? We're still good. And he said, yeah, 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 we're fine. You know, we're going to meet 10 a.m. on Thursday. It's perfect. And I prepared my, I bought a second screen on my computer just so I had the question set up. It was like all like perfect and ready to go. Um, 10 a.m. comes by on Thursday. Nada. Doesn't show up. Nothing. You know, 10.05. I'm like, oh, he's probably running a little behind. 10.05, nothing. 10.10, nothing. 10.15, nothing. Oh, At this point, I'm like, I'm being ghosted after we had all set this up. 
you know, like I, I bought a second, you know, damn screen just to get myself together for this one call and like nothing. So like, you know, by 10, 20 comes by, I close out, I, I call him, I call his phone I call, and, and nothing still like he's flat out goes, not picking up or anything. So I'm all mad at this point. I'm like, we set this up. This guy wasted my time. Can you even bother to show up? You know, at least tell me, you know, at least tell me you're not doing anything. Two days pass, you know, um, he finally gets in contact with me and he says, first thing he says is I'm sorry. So I'm like, okay, fine. Like you're there. Turns out what happened was his postdoc dropped an entire liter of 16 normal sulfuric acid in the lab and it broke <laughs> like just acid everywhere. Oh my like, God. Hazmat team had to come in like that to like evacuate the building, you know, because there's like, you know, acid eating through the floor. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I felt like the biggest jerk alive. Because I'm like, I you gotta tell him that you bought a monitor for that meeting. <laughs> well, after the back that day. Do you know how much my money I cost? Okay. <laughs> well, it actually like truth be told, like it wasn't even a monitor. It was like one of those little like relay things for it for an iPad. So I just like put my iPad like, on this iPad. But, you know, I just felt like the biggest jerk alive because, like, you know, I was getting all angry at this guy for what turns out to be a very, very good reason why he decided to bail on this meeting. You know, so, like, it was my my own teaching moment to myself. I'm like, I don't know what he's going through. I should have yeah. been able to do that. Right. I did not put myself in his shoes. And, you know, like, I learned that. So now I never get mad if I get ghosted because I never know why I'm actually being. If you come back and you apologize to me, well, okay, fine. We're all good. But, you know, just, yeah, when I found out that, that like, they, apparently it might have been, like, a school paper or something like that, you know, like, chemistry lab evacuated for two days because of, you know, sulfuric acid fumes. So, yeah, that, that, that one was, like, I had to take a break after that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine. How do you, uh, I mean, you probably, you know, get ghosted all the time, like every rep does. Um, how do you, you know, deal with it now? Like, how do you make sure that you are providing that, you know, empathy and really putting yourself in the other person's shoes? Well, at the same time, it, you know, you, you got to drive these deals forward and, you know, make sure that you're, you're, you're progressing the opportunities. Yeah. And, and actually, Good that you use the word progressing opportunity, right? Because progressing an op doesn't necessarily mean progress to win, right? It means progress to close. No is a fine answer as long as you tell me no and you don't tell me why, right? Mm -hmm. So as long as we come to a positive decision, then the op is closed and it didn't progress. The big thing for me is always that I've learned over time is coming from the bench myself, coming from, you know, a lab space myself, understanding that I like my entire job as a rep, you know, whether you're brand new or whether you've been in the game for a while, my entire job consists of interrupting your day to get my point across. <laughs> right. Like that is literally every call. I am basically taking up your time for something that you could, something else that you could be doing so that I could get my point across. And knowing that and saying that I'm not here to waste your time, this is what I think is going on. And if I'm putting myself in your shoes correctly, this is probably some of the issues that you're seeing, right? And, and understanding them from a human perspective, right? That they have problems too, that they have issues, which is why we're having a conversation in the first place, 
right? The, the faster you can get to that, maybe not personal level, but the empathetic, I understand your pain level. Yeah. The, the easier it is for that one to, 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 to come. One thing that you said that that's really interesting, which is like your job is to interrupt somebody's day to like help them, right? And I think there's this mindset for especially a lot of uh, younger sales reps, which is I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to be the annoying sales rep that's just like reaching out to these people, bothering them, etc. I almost think of that as like a it's a it's the wrong mindset to have. Right? You have a product that you believe can help them solve a problem that they may have, right? You've probably selected your accounts in a way that say, hey, these are my best accounts that I'm going after that I want to get a meeting with because I know there's something I can do to help them and solve a problem that they have. So you're almost like doing them a disservice if you don't interrupt them. So yeah, there's there's a way there there are two things you're actually selling when you're when when you're coming into a lab or you're meeting with someone, you're always selling two things, right? You're selling for the company that you sell for. And then you're selling yourself, right? I ha have this product that I think would be useful to you, but at the same time, I'm selling you me, right? And I don't know if I'm ever always going to be at the same company. I've been at four companies now in my, in my sales career, but everyone still remembers me, right? Like if you get to the point where like, I don't know how I'm going to solve if the customer's like, I don't know how I'm going to solve this problem, but I know Anthony can figure it out. Mm -hmm. You've already won. Right. So sometimes the interruption isn't necessarily to sell a product. Sometimes the interruption is just like, you look stressed right now. Do you need a donut? Yeah. Right. Well, well the other piece too is like the, the most of the time that you're interrupting people, it's to, to get time just to talk to them, right? Like your job is to interrupt in order to then get time with them to have a deeper conversation. I think that's also where the um, like the worst sort of objections come up is when you're trying to get that time, right? Like if you're in a sales process with somebody, the objections you get are probably not really like personal, right? They're not really probably going to attack you unless you really mess something up. But when you're prospecting, you're really interrupting people, trying to get their time, and it they can get personal attacks that can you know happen in, in that time. So if someone how do you, how do you kind of my time that? though. If someone says no to my time, they clearly didn't realize it was me because who would say no to seeing me? This is ridiculous. You ever. I can't take that offensive. Um, <laughs> there aren't strategies around that. There, there are strategies that I've used in the past. And, and <clears> obviously in, in a Zoom world, it's going to be slightly different than a, than a face-to-face world where I came up through the game. But you know, some strategies can work at the same time. Um, something that I've done in the past that's worked for me has worked for other people. I've told this to. Um, I promise you two minutes and you can set the clock. <laughs> I start the clock. This is why I'm calling you. This is why I'm interrupting you. I read this paper that you had published and I had a question that, about this thing that, that in one of your figures. Yeah. Because I think we can do this a little bit faster. Two minutes goes up. Yep. And then no matter what they're saying, they're like, oh, sorry, time is up. Two minutes. Do you want to continue? Right. And then that, then, then the customer makes that call at that point. Because so I've done the whole, I give you permission if this isn't valuable, you can hit the end button or leave the room, right? I've done that, but I actually like the two-minute clock thing. Especially in a virtual world, you can put it up on screen. <laughs> That's literally it. Like, you know, we, we set 15 minutes up or like even on the phone, like you set the timer like right now, starting now for five minutes. And if we can- Nick got, a, five minutes. Nick got a really interesting cold call 
warrants. You want to talk about that one? Where the the opener? Oh, I can't remember what it was. I'm trying to remember that. Oh yeah. Um it was along the lines of a guy phoned me and he said, Hey Nick, um, just so you know, this is a cold call. You can hang up right now or you can roll the dice and see what I want. That was literally the line. Yeah. Did did he know that he that that that, that you were in sales? Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. He was a recruiter. Um yeah. but he also had looked at my profile, had seen me posting, he's like, I think Nick's gonna be receptive to me trying. Well, at right. the same time, like both stories have that similarity, right? You do the research on the person that you're calling, right? There is that little yeah. bit of personalization, knowing them as a researcher, knowing them as a scientist, knowing their personal pain point. Yeah. And then he literally- What he got from me was, great opener, I love it. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I think, you know, the literally was it. Like a recruiter saw your profile and knew what, what you were about. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it, 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 it's always the same thing, you know, and it's always knowing the target and knowing what makes that person tick or if admitting that you don't and trying to figure it out. So maybe switching gears a little bit, talked a lot about mindset. What are you know, some of the things that you, you might recommend for people that are either thinking about moving into sales or maybe they're kind of early in the stages of their sales career? Um, you know, I think you talked a lot about how mindset plays a big role in there, but you know, what other, what other things should they really be be thinking about? Um, it's funny. I had this conversation, uh, the other day with, with someone, there are a couple keys to, to enter the game that I think that we, we all just need to, to keep reminding ourselves on. Um, number one thing, bravery is probably gonna be pretty big, right? Like you literally need to walk into some place that you don't know anyone to or have yeah. any idea and like that there's a level of bravery at the same time knowledge of self like what is your voice who are you like what kind of person are you right you know um are you playing a role like for me i know kind of what my voice is it's kind of loud a little bit obnoxious a little bit aggressive but at the same time kind of like self-effacing like you know you you can make fun of me and i'll laugh at you it'll allow <laughs> that kind of deal right but that's kind of that the whole disarming thing organization organization and prioritization yeah. right so those are like knowledge of self bravery organization and prioritization i think what a lot of reps have problems with and you know all across the board new reps old reps same thing we chase right you know we see a lead and we chase it we're chasing the business right mm. as opposed to prioritizing these are the accounts that are most important to me Right. Like if account X historically brings in 40% of my number, then account X should take up 40% of my time. Is that true though? Hold on. I'll challenge you on that. Go on. Go because on. if it's bringing, if it's bringing 40% of your number, does it take up 40% of your time? If that 40% is they're maxed out at what they okay, are able to do. There we go. And that's where the art of the game comes in. Right. Okay. And that's where more additional research comes in. Are there new labs coming in? Are they trying to expand? Are they laying off? So that 40-40 is a kind of a base level. We're starting at 40%. But if I know they're laying off 20% of their workforce, well, then maybe I'll bump that down and take 10% of that time and give it to a growth account. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It would mean the world to us if you could help spread the word by sharing it with someone you know. 
Succession is a life science sales membership that includes on-demand courses to up-level your sales skills, resources to plan and execute your sales process, community for peer-to-peer networking and learning, and live workshops delivered twice a month. You can get access to all of this as an individual for just $79 a month, or up-level your entire team with customized learning pads built for each individual rep. Come join us at succession.bio. The way I like to think about it is prioritizing your growable accounts. So not every account is growable. You have your best accounts, which are great. They're nice and easy to go and talk to your favorite champion that you have there. They love working with you and it's really easy and you could service them and spend a lot of time you know, taking care of them, making them happy. Great. Yeah. But that's not how you grow your territory. Right? If you want to grow your territory, you'll focus on these growable accounts, which are the Absolutely. ones that you know might be harder. You haven't had as much success breaking in. Maybe they're already using a competitor, but there's huge upside in there. Like those are the types of accounts where yeah, I think prioritization is really important. Yep. But that's that's all part of the game. That's the organization part of the game, right? Part of the organization is knowing all this, learning all this, right? Did your champion leave the, you know, it, let's say, you know, an account X, right? And now all of a sudden your biggest champion left. Well, now all of a sudden, like, is there a chance to keep it at 40? You know, some of my time should be spent trying to defend. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get that, but like at least have that base level. Yeah, I also think the the four things just listed, I'm going to remember, but like knowing yourself, knowing the customer, prioritizing, all of these kind of things, they're really important. I think if you was going to step into sales now, I'd suggest you sit down and rank them. You're going to need them all, but rank them. And I know for a fact there's reps out there that are way more organized than me. And those guys should be key account reps, right? They should, because they're going to, they're going to hone their skills. They're going to follow up. They're going to chase. You want, you want someone who wants to open accounts and loves to chase the, the, the chase, then you're going to want someone they're probably a bit less organized, but they're way more driven to get that first bite, you know? Um, and it doesn't mean you're a good or a bad rep, but you need to know which one of these segments you fit in, right? Agreed. Completely agree. Like different, different <clears throat> skill, the, the, you know, each of those skills have been more important to me at different parts of my career. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. right now, like as I've moved from that hunter-ish kind of rep, trying to chase for everything to more of that global key account where I'm at now, right? organization is pretty much key empathy is key right like you know understanding that um global account x handles things in a way different manner and you kind of have to speak their language and i have you have to learn their language you have to learn exactly how they do things so you can frame your product the way they can accept it right unlike you know if we're chasing academics x y and z where it's kind of like show up and throw up scatter shot if person x doesn't make it then i can try the same thing with person y and then try the same thing with person c yeah i think that's a really good distinction which is these skills and you know just natural competencies that you need they're different and they're weighed different based on the job that you have mm-hmm. um and so even for you somebody who's you made the transition from owning like an entire territory where you own all the accounts and stuff within that territory to then, I guess in that case, like prioritization is really important. You have to prioritize your best accounts because you don't want to waste time not on the right accounts. Whereas then you move into a strategic account manager role and you're only working a few accounts. Well, your accounts are prioritized. <laughs> These are what you, this is what you got. But now you have to be really organized to know how to then go after that and grow that. It, the two things that I've had to remember as I've gone through the transition, organize it, reorganizing, because the way I organize myself as a as a territory manager is way different than the way I organize myself as a strategic manager, 
right? My notes are different. What I put in my CRM is different. The questions I ask are different, right? Because yeah. it has to be tailored to that account to knowledge itself. Like that's going to be key for me because as a native born and raised New Yorker, my voice, um, my voice works here in New York, right? You know, because a lot of the people who live here, they act the same way as I do. That is my style. That is my, my, my own personal style. Um, I'm going to drop you in Sweden and see if it still works. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, because like now I have accounts in Denver and Indianapolis and San Diego and Boston and Madrid and London. And my personal New York voice does not necessarily work every single time. So I want to uh, pick up on that a little bit. Being a, yeah. a British guy, um, you go into small companies around here, then you go, right, you go global. So when you come from a country that's quite small and a territory to include multiple countries, understanding that difference is quite normal. And like, I know the nuances between, for example, Sweden and Denmark. They're both Scandinavian, but very differently, right? Mm-hmm. Not, but when you're a US rep and you move into this role, it's probably a bit more challenging because there are differences across the US, but they're way more uh, subtle than the difference you get from going from, well, I, I can get on a train and in one hour be in Paris and they're a different world, right? That's that's the kind of differences you get here. So how have you you managed trying to do deal with that nuance? Well, he's technically in New Jersey, so that's like oh, a little train ride. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, fine. I'll I'll take that one. Um, <laughs> so, and you in some ways you just own it flat out, and for some things like what I gave a seminar in San Francisco a couple of weeks back, the first thing I did was apologize. Right, like I. I'm going to be a little bit upfront. I'm going to be a little aggressive. I'm sorry if that is a little bit hard. I'm, I'm still learning, but at the same time, I've worked with Global Account X enough to know that there are certain aspects and certain ways that everyone, every office of that Global Account works, and I'm going to try and tailor it that way instead. And you also, I should probably have more insight into how that account works than they do. Yeah, because right? yeah. they're stuck in their bubble and their you know you know location that they're at. They're probably not even talking to a lot of these other you know locations. And, uh, yeah, so you could be that connected tissue in yeah, this role. I'm flat out, I've leaned into that immediately. When when the Jersey office said this, do you guys have the same issue in the San Francisco office? Mm-hmm. Right, and that is yeah. exactly it. Because in a lot of these cases, with 11, 12, 13,000 scientists at one account, the left hand and the right hand have no clue what they're doing. So I can give you a, a, an extreme story of that. I won't name the uh, pharma company because it'll be it. I literally walked into a building and on this side was the biologics department of oncology. On that side of the corridor was a small molecule department for oncology. They both work in oncology for the same large pharma. I finished a meeting with someone I had a really good relationship with, had a chat, said, hey, can you intro me to somebody in small molecules oncology because I reckon like if you're interested in this there must be something they're interested in same disease era and I was like oh no we don't know them they literally couldn't give me a name of somebody in oncology because they were small molecules versus antibody they were in the same building and they couldn't give me a name of someone so when reps are out there thinking oh they must know him because he's never made that assumption ever this was the same building same state like same country madness yeah. I'm still annoyed by it, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, never. Where's my name? 
but it, it it's one of those things where like you know some some of the the the, the hang-ups that you don't see working with like academics and small smaller farm uh, biotechs you see in this like large inertia companies and it's just something that you you know you learn to deal with and you probably have to make procurement like your best friend at these accounts too right i imagine that's a a big part of your role where you know Probably at smaller companies, you don't have to worry about as much. For various reasons, right? Like they are kind of in a lot of ways. Any company is kind of the gatekeeper. Like they're going to be the ones responsible for cutting the PO, right? So anything you can do to make their lives easier, like, you know, an academic and a small uh, pharma, like the, the, the rate limiting step is going to be the end user themselves, right? But then you have, you know, at, at a bigger company, you have this procurement team and it can be set up however many ways you know nine ways from sunday but you're going to have to figure out what their prime movers are right like is it how many po's they get cut is it how many accounts they work with is it how much they can save off of you know off of list price like, like what is their prime movers too right they're just more stakeholders in the game and you know and if you mess up that relationship well then you know you always get put to the bottom of the pile and that's where you never want to be. Um, so I think another uh, topic that we wanted to touch on a little bit was, okay, you're one of the you know entry-level roles into sales is, is like typically like an inside sales or maybe like an SDR, account development rep, or there's a bunch of different you know, sort of titles around it, but it's mostly focused on like prospecting. And you're typically in this role supporting maybe like account managers that are out in the field or you know just we typically just you're more senior senior reps and your job is to go identify these opportunities for them but then when you go to make that switch and that transition over to becoming an account manager there's a lot of skills and differences with that role where now you're responsible for running discovery you're responsible for driving uh the sale to close and you know I don't know that many companies you'll know, prepare the reps for that necessary transition very well. So, you know, for the people that are thinking about making this move or about to make the move, or maybe just did, like what what are the things that you would recommend to them? Like they already have these prospecting skills. Like, where should they spend like the first bit of time to make sure that they're really getting up to speed and making the biggest impact? So I think that answer gets answered way before that transition actually happens. Right. When I had my account development reps and I had individual ones, I'd have a meeting with them and I'd say flat out five years from now, what are you doing? And it's okay if you say, I don't know. Right. Because from that senior level perspective, my job is to help you get there. Like if, if I, if I just use you for that individual skill set, then I'm just using you. Right. But like, I am actually like your success. If I empower you, you will do a better job for me and then we can help each other. So in some cases, one of the account development reps did say, I do want your job. I would, I want to be in sales. I want, you know, so I flat out told them and Harrison, to your point, a lot of companies don't do a good job in training people, but that person does need to be trained. So I will tell that person just follow along. If you see something on my calendar, like be brave about this, like, you know, take control. Like, like this is going to be a skill that you are going to need when you get to my level. 
right? So like put time on my calendar, um, shoulder me on a couple of calls. I'll introduce you and I'll, I can I can play that off to the customer saying that we're, we're in training right now. But you can see or the, the, the ADR can see what the difference is in the flesh, not as a role play, not as a book, not as a part of training, but as an actual customer call. Yeah, so it's almost like it's, it sounds like it's two-sided here, whereas one, the EDR, inside sales rep, et cetera, has to take ownership of saying, hey, I want to be an account manager, and so I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to talk to the, maybe the reps that I support, ask them, you know, hey, what, can you mentor me? Can I jump on these calls with you? Can I just be a fly on the wall? Can I learn? Can you help me develop? Um, and then on the flip side, you hope that these, these reps that are in the role, the account managers, are you know, giving that time to you know the the inside sales or, or ADRs to mentor them and help them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any any actual rep or their their, their assault will be there to help the next generation in, right? Because we all know, like you know, our our jobs are, are in some ways kind of fluid, right? Like you know, we're we're never going to be at a, the, the days of being in the same role for fifty years is over, right? Like we just accept that. So why not help people along, right? And and from that ADR role, like the important thing is not just to find that that mentor rep, but to find the rep for a reason that you respect, right? It could be someone who sounds like you. It could be someone who's had success. Why is this person successful? Is it? It could be someone who sounds exactly the opposite of you, and you want to get that. That, that, that different perspective, but the ADR themselves need to figure that out, why they're going to ask that you know, that senior rep to be a mentor. One thing I'll, I'll say on that is I agree with everything you said, except that why wouldn't we want to help them? I think I, my opinion of what I've seen is the best reps are the ones that want to help them because the, the people that are at the top of their game, we're not worried about A players coming. I say we, I assume I was, right? But uh, we're not worried about, uh, that was a slip, a slip of my ego. Um, those that are at the top of their game are not worried about someone coming for them. They want that challenge. They want you to push me along, make me better, right? So you are happy to help upskill these people. And if and then they step into the role that hopefully you move out of and everyone's happy. I think if you're finding pushback from a rep, look for one of the top performers. Look for the top performers because yeah, they're, they're going to be the guys that are going to want to do it anyway. I have told a rep in the past that was laid off. I, I flat out told him on the phone, I look forward to fighting you for the same opportunity. <laughs> nice. That's good. You know, but it's very true. Like I saw a lot of potential. It just didn't work for, for num for numerical reasons. And that's fine. But I'm like, dude, do you have skills? Like I, I can tell that, you know, one of these days I want to fight you. And when you're ready, I'll be there. And I want to destroy you, but it's going to be fine. <laughs> you know, really, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's very, very true. Very, very true. Well, uh, we're running up on time here. So we got one more question for you. Go for it. Yes. Give, uh, give us a, a sales tactic that uh, anybody listening here can take with them and implement right away. So this is probably going to be old advice, but old advice is good for a reason. Um, it's the one more call strategy. When you think you're done for the day, one more piece of information, then be done for the day. If it's one more call or one more email or one more send, let's just say the, the close rate 10%, right? 
So five calls a week, 20 calls a month, that's two calls a month at a 10% close rate that you're going to win just by making one more call. Right. And that is, we always talk about run rate and all that good stuff. Where can we get free money? You know, that additional set of emails or that additional one call at the end of the day, on average, could get you, could be the difference between 94 and 102%. Yeah. I love it. I love that. One more. And if you just have that sort of mentality, it's going to just push yourself uh, each and every day. We had, we had metrics around here, right? That you not always the lowest reps were the ones with the lowest activity, but the top performers were always the ones with the highest. So that's that one more call attitude, right? It's one more call. You know, and it doesn't take any real effort to do one more call. Even if you do like the, the little five, like here, I'm going to put the five minute clock on. <laughs> I know you're trying to leave too. <laughs> so, you know, we all tie together. It's really awesome. Let's all go make well, uh, cool. Yeah. One more call. Awesome. Well, thanks Anthony. We appreciate it. It's been awesome having you on uh, a lot of great insights here for, for everybody, you know, experience wraps and, uh, for the folks just getting started. No, I appreciate you guys. Anytime you guys want me on, I'm there for you. Yeah. And, uh, hopefully we don't see you again. Um, but, uh, it's been awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if I do have a, one of my accounts does have a, a London office, I'm just saying. Oh, great. Well, come on down. Well, uh, there we we'll, go. We'll see, you, we'll see you soon, man. Absolutely. It. Absolutely. It's, been awesome. it's been awesome talking to you again. Great. All right. Bye, dude.